Ay, 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 ay. I got a sermon prepared here. If you guys could give me just a minute, I'm still praying about what to preach. <laughs> still want to know if this is what God wants me to preach. I, uh, uh, <laughs> let's, let's, go, let's come to Matthew chapter 26. Let's preach a while. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I mean it. <laughs> Matthew chapter 26. Is that what I want? No, no, I want 27. Matthew 27, verse number 36, that's it. And the Bible says Matthew 27 and 36... And sitting down, they watched him there. That's what I want to preach about today. I just want to sit down for a few minutes with you and take a look at what happened almost 2,000 years ago on an old rugged cross. What changed my life? What changed the history of the world? The greatest event in human history. We're going to sit down just for a few minutes today and take a look at it. So if you would, let's bow our heads together. Boy, do we need to pray. Father, please, I'm trying to be obedient to you, Lord. You know my heart in this. My desire is for Jesus Christ to increase, for us to decrease. Lord, we just want to take a long look at what happened on Calvary's cross that day. Please, please, God, meet with us. You said, Lord, you said, that if Jesus Christ be lifted up, you will draw all men unto yourself. So today, that's our desire, to look at you lifted up. And I beg you, Father, draw men and women today. Draw them to the cross. Please speak to our hearts. Help me to preach. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can I, can I direct your attention to just a few other verses? Can I show you verse number 29? It says, and when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. Did you know that that happened? Did you know that when Jesus was on his way to the cross, it was more than just putting the nails in his hands and feet the soldiers, this is after they had whipped him within an inch of his life. And the Bible says they spit upon him. And they took the reed, that, that, that rod, and they smacked him on the head, forcing those thorns down into his skull. In verse 31, after they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, and him they compelled to bear his cross. Can you imagine sitting down with Simon a week after this happened and hearing him tell the story of what it was like to carry the cross with Jesus? I mean, you talk about a, a first-hand account of the sufferings of Christ. No wonder we read in the Bible that Simon's children ended up as believers and leaders in the early church oh he had a story to tell 
In verse 33, it says, And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he tasted thereof, he would not drink. Well, see, that, that vinegar and that gall mixed together, would it, it would have act, acted as a pain reliever. Jesus didn't take it. In verse 35, and they crucified him. Now, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of detail right there. It just says they crucified him. But I want you folks to get it clear in your mind what that entails. They would lay, the prisoner would have to carry his cross, that cross bar, right? They, they'd carry that. That thing could weigh anywhere from 20 kg up to 40 kgs. And Jesus, has, he didn't sleep the night before. He was up all night praying. He hadn't eaten He'd been beaten. He'd been whipped. The blood is running down. He's, he was whipped so severely you could count his bones. That, that's how deep the whip had cut him. That whip, by the way, it has pieces of bone, sometimes metal, teeth of animals. They'd put it into the leather. It was, cat, it was called a cat of nine tails. So it was, it was one whip with nine straps and each strap a meter long. And when those soldiers hit the prisoner, it would... the, 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 the the straps would wrap around the body and claw into it. And then when the soldiers would have to get that, those straps out, they would pull with all their might and rip the body open. Many of these prisoners died as a result just of the whipping. So Jesus, he is already a bloody mess. They get, he's carried this cross. He had to have Simon help him because he was in such bad shape. They get him to the place where they're going to crucify him and the prisoner then has to lay down and usually the soldiers would grab the arms of the prisoner and stretch them out and dislocate the arms, the, the joints, because this way he would die faster. When you're up on a cross, you die of suffocation. You can't breathe. You can't exhale properly. So you need to push up on the nails in order to breathe and, and actually get rid of the air out of your lungs. And if everything's out of joint, you can't do that. Did you know in Psalm 22, the Bible says that the Messiah would have every bone out of joint? The, the Bible, this is before, nobody crucified anyone when Psalm 22 was written. No one had ever heard of crucifixion yet. But yet it describes there a man having his hands and his feet pierced and his bones out of joint. It describes a crucifixion before it ever existed. And over a thousand years later, they have Jesus. He's laying down now. And, and Jesus even himself prophesied that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. No man takes it from him. He lays it down willingly. Guys, he knows full well what's going on isn't fair, but he's doing it for us. He lays down on that crossbar, and those soldiers pull on his arm until it's out of joint. I, I don't know if you've ever had a dislocated shoulder or dislocated anything, but that's not pleasant. Now get, get the picture right in your mind. As they're pulling on Jesus' arms. He doesn't yell out, stop. He doesn't cry out and say, don't do that. This isn't fair. He doesn't say a thing. You say, how do you know that? In Isaiah 53, it says, as a lamb dumb before his shears, so he opens not his mouth. I, I'm almost sure this was the first time in history that these soldiers crucified a prisoner that willingly stretched out his own hand and said, here you go. You can have this hand. Because he came to give his life a ransom for many. He gave it to them. He said, here you go, you can have it. They didn't have to struggle. 
They didn't have to have three or four men pin him down and stretch out the arm and nail it. He just stretched it out and let them pull. The bones get dislocated, not broken, mind you, but dislocated. And then they would shove what looks like, I think, y'all say spiker, like a railroad spike. In between what we know as a nail and a railroad spike, they, they put that nail right here where we, at the bottom of what we would consider the palm of the hand, in between the wrist and the palm. In the Bible, that's part of the hand. It just calls it the hand. But they would have put it right there so that the prisoner would actually hang on it. If you put it in the middle of the palm, it would just rip through. They drive. Have you ever put pressure right there on your wrist? Oh, man, that's not, that's not nice. <laughs> that's a pressure point by itself. Nerves running all through there, and they put that nail in. And the hammer comes down. And the hammer comes down. And the hammer comes down. And they put that nail not just through his hand, but through that piece of wood on the cross. They can't have it slipping out once he gets up there. They hammer it through the back of the cross, and then when they're done, they flip the prisoner over and hammer the back of the nail and bend it down so that it doesn't slip through the wood. They crucified him there. His hands and his feet nailed to a cross. The Bible says, and parted his garments. In verse 35, they took everything he had. They didn't care. They figured he has no use for it anymore. This, by the way, was also prophesied in the book of Psalms that it would happen, and it happened exactly the way David said it would. Casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, they parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. They shot dice for it. Completely despising the one dying on the cross. They treated him like he was any other prisoner. This guy's hurt, let's take his stuff. This guy doesn't need it. I wonder if we treat him the same way. I wonder if his death becomes just another thing that happened to us, another event in history. God help us, it should touch our hearts a little bit when we think about it. Listen, I know a lot of people have died gruesome deaths down through the years, but none of them, none of them did it while carrying the sin of the world. None of them did it with their heart exploding from love. Because while all this is happening, friend, he's thinking about you. Listen, he's thinking about every sin you'll ever do. Every sin. And with every sin, you drive that nail just a little harder just a little deeper shame on us if we just go about our business if we just go about our sins as if everything's just the same he's just another guy oh he's more than that in verse number 36 it says and sitting down they watched him there I've given you the backstory what led up to this these people they came to the crucifixion site and they just sat down for a while oh that feels so much better and they just watched him you ever done that you ever just gone to the foot of the cross and just watched they did it as a skeptic they did it as unbelievers they spent some time there watching this man suffer mocking him making fun of him if you've read the other 
The other gospels, you know what happened. People are walking by. If you're the king of Israel, come down. If you're the son of God, why won't God deliver you? And these people just sitting there watching him. They were doing it as skeptics. I'm going to ask you today to do it as you sit there to look up at the cross. Please don't look at me. But just look past me. Just look up at the cross and look up at the one dying for you. It's a very simple thought. But do me a favor. I want you to just look up in your mind's eye. And I want you to start at his feet. Do you see his feet? Do you see the blood running down his legs and is dripping off of his feet? Do you see that? And the blood just drips and hits the ground and drips and hits the ground. And as you, as you look at his hands and the blood dripping from his hands, pooling around the nail and dripping off of it, do you see that? Do you see that blood being shed for you? Now, now look, look a little to the right, look, look a little to the left, look at the center of his body. You can see where the whip marks have wrapped around his torso. You can see that, right? He did that to heal your soul. With his stripes, we are healed. Do you see the whip marks? Can you see them today? Say, I can't see them. They're real. They're there. You go up to heaven and the Bible says you'll see a lamb as it had been slain. The marks are still there. He didn't, when he rose again, he didn't get rid of the marks. He kept the marks. Evidence of how much he loves you. You would do well to look at him. Just take a minute. I want you to look up a little farther. Do you see his face? Do you see his, do you see his cheeks swollen? Look, look at how much they're swollen. Do you see it? Guys, he didn't sleep the night before. They have been slapping him and beating him for the better part of four or five hours now. The Bible says they ripped his beard out. Gents, we can't handle having one, pa one hair plucked out. His beard, handfuls, ripped from his face. Look at it. Look, look at his face. swollen his eyes so swollen that you can barely see the whites of them even with his eyes open you can barely see anything he's tired he's bloodied he's bruised he's wounded the bible says his visage that's the way his face looked his visage was marred more than any man he was disfigured he was beaten so bad do you see it? Do you see that? Wait a minute. Now, now keep looking. Keep looking. He's mumbling something. If you listen close enough, you'll hear it. He's trying to say something, but because he's crucified, he can't get air into his lungs properly, so he has to push up on the, on the nails. He presses on the nail that's run through both of his feet. He, he pushes as hard as he can on the nails in his hands. He lifts himself just enough to get breath so that he can say something. Oh, won't you please sit for a moment and listen to what he says? The people in verse 36 that are sitting and watching him, here's the first thing they hear him say. He pushes up and he says, Father, 
Forgive them. They know not what they do. And back down he goes. I can't believe it. It, if If I were in that position... I would lift up and if, if I'd cry out anything, I'd say, unfair. I'd lift up and say, how dare you? I'd lift up and say, somebody help me. He lifts up and all he can think about is you. And you getting forgiveness. And you getting right with the Father. Father, they don't know who I am. Give them another chance, God. They don't see it. They don't get it. Oh, He wants you to be saved. You. He wants you to sit down and take a look and just let the magnitude of His love sink into your heart. Let it affect you. That's what we sing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. You say, but I see a bloody, bruised, broken broken man. How can I find light and glory and joy? That's the price of His love for you. That's what it takes to save your soul. If he hadn't done that, friend, you could never be forgiven by God. There would be no payment for your sins. You would never be able to dwell with God and he with you. You would only know God from a very far distance. But because of the blood of Christ, we can now draw nigh. You see, I don't want to rush because Jesus was up there for six long hours. Six hours. For, for three of those hours, for the first three hours, you remember he had a thief on one side and a thief on the other. Remember that? Take a minute. Look up there. Look at these thieves. They're both making fun of him. They're mocking him. You know what Jesus said to him? Nothing. Nothing. And after three hours... One of the thieves realizes this man has done nothing wrong. This is a good man. This is a righteous man. This is the Lord. You know what that tells me? That thief must have heard about Jesus before he got to the cross. How many times do you think that thief considered repenting and didn't do it? How many times do you think he heard about this miracle working prophet that claimed to be the Son of God and put it off. And here he hangs next to the Savior of the, of the world and he realizes, my goodness, I deserve to be punished. I'm wrong. I deserve to die. I deserve hell. And he turns to his friend first and says, listen man, do you not fear God? We deserve this punishment, not this guy. Then he turns to Jesus. Not just look up here. Look at the conversation happening. 
Listen to it. He turns to the Lord and says, Jesus, he says, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. This is three hours in. Watch it again. Watch it. Don't look at me. Watch him. He pushes up on the nails. Jesus has to push up on the nails. And the best he can, he tilts his head over at that guy and he says, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Down he goes again. Three hours in and he's still soul winning. Three hours in and he's still fulfilling the will of the Father. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Friend, at any moment he could have called for 12 legions of angels. 12,000 angels. He could, have, he could have said, Father, enough is enough. These sinners aren't worth it. They're walking by mocking me. Take me home, God. Send the angels. He could have, but he didn't. What kept him on the cross? You say it was the nails. Nonsense. All those nails were nothing for him. He could have wiggled his little finger and got out of the nails. You know what kept him on the cross? You. You. I kept him on the cross. He loved me that much. Well, how can I not sit down and just look at that for a while? To find somebody that cares about me that much that wants to change my life, that wants to introduce me to the Father, that wants to set things right where Adam went wrong. The second Adam comes and says, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to bring you back to God. I'm going to give you back that relationship you should have had. Here's what it costs me. That's how much you're worth to me. You know what happened after Jesus told that thief, you'll be with me in paradise? The lights went out. I don't know if a cloud came between or if God just hit the dimmer switch on the sun. I don't know what happened. But the lights went down. The sun went dim. Say, why do you think that happened? Well, the light of the world was hanging there on a cross. And as the light of the world was going down, I reckon the light of the world went down. Either that or the father said, you know what? I can't bear to watch my son suffer anymore. He still has to suffer, but boy, this is tough. Turn the lights down. And for three more hours in darkness, Jesus hung there. And at the end of that time, he cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For just a moment, for a wimblick, the presence of the Father left the Son. And Jesus was so aware of God's presence that if it left him for a moment, he said, whoa, why, Father? Why, God, have you forsaken me? He didn't forsake him forever. But while Jesus became sin for us, for however long it lasted, he lost that fellowship with God. Only minutes later, Watch this now. Watch it. I want you to look up at the cross. Sit down. Just watch him there. Watch it. Six hours in, the blood has now begun to dry. 
He's nearly out of breath. He's tired. He's worn out. He pushes up on those nails one more time. He says, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Oh. And he goes back down. And then one last time, one last push of effort, he, he pushes with all his might back up on those nails and he says, it is finished. Oh. Do you see his body slumping down? Look at it. His body, the weight of his body now hanging on those nails. The earth begins to shake under your feet. Are you sitting there watching him? Do you feel that earthquake? The, the, something's happening. The earth begins to shake. The people down at the temple, they're going crazy because the, the veil of the temple has been ripped in twain from the top to the bottom to show everyone the presence of God is no longer found in the temple. The presence of God is found in a person. You can feel the earth shaking. You can see the Savior slump down on that cross. And you hear, you hear one of the centurions, one of the men responsible for crucifying him. You know what he says in the background? You can hear him saying, truly this was a righteous man. This was the Son of God. Can you hear him saying that? Let me ask you a question. Do you agree with that? Look up at him. Do you know that what he did on, on that cross, that was the payment for your sins? Have you ever accepted that payment to cover your sins? Friend, you can't look up at that cross and say, thank you Jesus, but no thank you. I'll do the best I can and be a good guy and try to save myself. I appreciate you dying, but it really wasn't necessary. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good lady. I go to church. I, I was raised as a Christian. Friend, you can't sit down there at that cross and look up at him and say, your death wasn't necessary. The only thing that will bring you to God is the sacrifice that Jesus made on your behalf. You have to accept that. The Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Paul says, I have determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul said, For we preach the cross. To them that are saved, it is the power of God. The preaching of, cross, the preaching of the cross to them that are unsaved, to them that are lost, that perish, it's foolishness. Why would he have to die? I'm doing the best I can. Paul says, but those that are saved, they understand that was the only thing that could save us. I'm going to ask you to do this. We, we have some space here. You can come take a moment and bow down at the foot of the cross and if you need to repent and say, Lord, I never realized how much you love me. I've never thought about it, but up until now I've been trusting myself 
my good deeds. I, I didn't realize that I had to have you die for me. I want to accept that as my salvation today. I want to trust you as my Savior. I don't want to trust myself anymore. You can come up here and do that. For some of you, you've already accepted that. You need to come and just bow down at the foot of the cross and say, thank you, Lord. Worthy is the Lamb. I sure do appreciate that. You know what you need to do tomorrow morning before you head off to work, before you go to class? Do me a favor. Bow down at the foot of the cross. Would you do that? Would you just take a moment before you rush off into your busy life, just sit there at the foot of the cross and look up at Jesus suffering for you and say, Lord, man, based on what you did, I can't help but live for you today. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. It only makes sense then that you stop and look at the cross. Sitting down, they watched him there. How can that not move us? How can that not stir our hearts? I've been telling that story for 23 years almost. And it still means so much to me. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Oh, that old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left His glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. In the old rugged, uh, old rugged cross, stained with blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. For it was on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. To the old rugged cross I will ever be true, its shame and reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me someday to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown folks if you need to get saved today and you want some help with that, you can raise your hand. Somebody with, I'll privately remind you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you'd like to receive Jesus Christ today as your Savior, would you just slip your hand up? You can put it right back down. Anybody like that? Say, preacher, just pray for me. Thank you. I appreciate that. I see the hands. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that.
Anyone else say, preacher, just pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved, but I, I want to know today that Jesus is my Savior. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for the honesty. If you'd like some help with that, you just find me right after the service. I, I won't embarrass you. We'll just sit, sit quietly and we'll make sure you understand it. But right now, right now you can fix it if you want. Here's how it works. God, I'm a sinner. I'm so bad I cannot save myself, no matter how hard I try. I believe that Jesus died and paid for my sins. And right now, I want to trust him as my Savior. Please, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Can you pray that? Those of you that raised your hands, if you'd like to, you can pray that right now. If you're genuine, he'll come into your heart. It all starts at the foot of the cross. Father, thank you this morning for a moment to bow down, for a moment to sit there and watch and remind ourselves of what Christ did for us. Lord, how can we ever say thank you enough Oh, Father, how can that not move us? How can that not motivate us? Lord, you said, you, you, we read it in your Bible, the love of Christ constrains us. Oh, God, it does. We love you because you first loved us. And gave your Son to be the payment for our sins. Thank you, Lord. Father, there were hands that went up. Please, today, might they invite Christ in, please. Lord, we've done our best to lift the Lord Jesus up, and you said you draw men to yourself. Draw them in, Father. Let them leave today saved, knowing that they're forgiven. Might they hear the Holy Spirit today saying, forgiven, saying, it is finished. Oh, God, thank you so much for loving us enough to send your son. Please, Lord, let the seed sink deep into our hearts and let it bring forth fruit. Dismiss us with your blessing, Father, and let us never lose sight of the cross. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.